A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And what a show we have in store for you. We'll bring you two exclusive interviews as Harmy sat down with uh, the England duo of Jimmy Anderson and Mark Wood. And we'll hear from Sir Andrew Strauss, who discusses the appointment of Brendan McCullum as the new Red Bull head coach. As well as that, we'll look back at round six of the county championship and pay tribute to former Australian all-rounder Andrew Simons, who passed away at the age of just 46. Plenty on the agenda then. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And we begin, before all of that, with some breaking news. Tom Harrison is to step down sooner than anticipated as ECB Chief Executive with uh, the former captain, uh, women's captain Claire Connor. Uh, to take over as interim CEO. She is, of course, the uh, current managing director of women's cricket, as well as uh, the outgoing president of the MCC. So she's got plenty of administrative experience. Uh, But Tom Harrison uh, was expected to stay until the end of the summer, Harmi. It looks like he's going earlier than that. Yeah, it's it's hard to work out what Tom Harrison's legacy is. Uh, He came into the game off the back of trying or coming to the ECB, trying to sort out the TV deal. And he did that. It was a bumper one. It was an excellent TV deal for for the game. A lot more money brought into the game. Um, and then what with, there's a lot of sort of divided opinion on on some of the other stuff. Was he good for county cricket? Was he good for 100? Bringing, bringing the 100 in, all that stuff that goes with it. Um, and then I think he's hung on to try and do the next TV deal, which... I think the reason I can only speculate about the reason he's going early is because that hasn't come to fruition. The big thing that he leaves for me is no matter how positive he has been or how negative he has been, whichever side of the fence you sit on during the COVID in the, in the issues with you know, from a financial point of view in the ECB, making 65 people redundant, cutting costs left, right, and center. 
and walking away with a fat bonus check because of the TV did you did the first place and then leaving the job less than two months later. That for me, that's what would the that's what I'm gonna stick with. And that tarnishes yeah, anything good he did in the game. He's been extremely competent. And as you said, um, the bonus is actually for the um, perceived success of the 100. Um, but he's been a hard man to warm to. He's been, uh, he's been a master of um, jargon and what he's now been... Well, I, I mean, he's, he's known for what has now been termed ECB speak. And he's, he's been a hard man to, to, to warm to. You know, you, you just sort of... Every now and then you just wanted to grab him by the lapels and shake him and say, just... Tell it like it is. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think the refreshing thing that's happened at the ECB, the wins they've had off the field in the last three or four weeks with McCollum, Stokes and Key, uh, I think this is a win as well because yeah, they are different to their leader of the, of the, of the, of the pack, which is Tom Harrison. A lot of the, the stuff falls at his door, whether it's his fault. Well, he's the leader. Yeah, we can blame him. We can talk about county cricket. We can talk about inclusion and diversity, which probably isn't solely his responsibility um, because he delegates underneath. But at the end of the day, the the man that sits on the fence and just spiels sort of ECB office nonsense is, I think it's that that time is gone and it's a new one to come in. And it'd be interesting. It really would be interesting to see who actually comes in at the top, over the top of Rob Key. Brendan McCollum, a new white ball coach, um, Ben Stokes and Owen Morgan from a, just a, a purely cricketing point of view and whether they do go for another man who is an office man or they go for somebody who you know, will look closely into making sure the game is, is moving forward from a cricketing point of view and not just a business point of view. OK, that's um, one man on his way out. The big man on his way in is Brendan McCollum. Of course, um, there's a lot to talk about, but let's hear from Sir Andrew Strauss on the appointment of the former New Zealand captain. Well, I, I just think he's got such clarity of thought and approach. He, he's a guy who's, who keeps the game of cricket very simple, uh, but he's got a, a sort of positive intent in everything he does, and that's exactly what the England Test team need right at the moment. They need some good, strong leadership, some direction, um, I think he'll work exceptionally well with Ben Stokes. I think that as a combination is really exciting. And I know that Rob Key, as new director of cricket, it it kind of aligns up with his philosophy as well. So everything feels quite nicely connected. Um, I know Brendan's just so excited about the prospect of coming out here and and not, not just trying to take the English cricket team forward, but also doing his bit to take test cricket forward generally. So it's an exciting time. Oh, Sir Andrew Strauss just outlining why he believes Brendan McCullum is the right man for the job. People who listened to the show last week would have heard me say that Gary Kirsten was preparing for the move. Um, That's how confident he was that uh, he was the man that Rob Key wanted. But um, for the second time in three years, Kirsten pipped at the post at at the last minute. He's quite phlegmatic about it. Um, I can tell you that um, he, he was disappointed, particularly given that he, for the second time, got the impression wrongly that um, that he was the man. But they've gone for the rock star, I think. Um, you know, uh, Keezy was, Rob Key was sub- quoted as saying that uh, Brendan McCullum smashed the interview, the suggestion being that Gary Kirsten didn't smash it. But, you know, Kirsten's view was always, as it was three years ago, that... Um, this is my analogy, but, you know, it's not far from the truth. He believes that you, it's like being invited 
ask to, to come and decorate someone's house without having seen it. You don't know whether it needs a lick of paint, rebuilding, renovation, redecoration. You, you mm. need to go and have a look at it, first of all. And, and that, again, was Kirsten's approach. You know, don't ask me for what my big picture is until I've, I'm inside. I need to yeah. look around and speak to people. And that, for me, is when I heard that the ECB, you know, Rob Key, had gone away from Gary Kirsten, I was very, very surprised. I was more surprised at them not giving it to Kirsten than I was giving it to McCullum. Because I'm like, you've turned this bloke down twice in three years. This bloke's took two sides to the world number one with a similar, similar captain, strong character in Graham Smith, strong character in MS Downey, and slowly but surely built a team unity, team environment, team togetherness to help get to that nation's number one in the world in two different countries. I thought I ticked every box in my opinion, but hey, what do we know? Keezy's gone with you know the rock star and Brent McCullum. I was surprised, I was shocked. I was excited, intrigued to see what happens. But a little bit like what you've just said there about the painter and decorator tapping for the job without seeing the house. Brenda McCullum is, is an unbelievable cricketer, great man. You know, somebody that you know, plays the has the right outlook of the game. Ben Stokes, similar. But I come back to the fact that we want to play an exciting brand of cricket. We want to play something which is going to be expansive and positive and rock star-ish. And we're going to pick 470 mile an hour bowlers. I would be like jumping from the roof and excited if we had Mark Wood, Jofra Archer, Ollie Stone, Saki Mahmood, all these bowlers up on offer and selection to go with the likes of Broad Anderson, Ollie Robinson, yeah, Fisher. If they had them fit, I'd be going, yeah, what an appointment this is. We've got a chance now because we've got some firepower. But all that blood and gust and the other, they're sort of pumping a chest and up and at them. I look down and I go, well, Anderson's playing, Broad's playing, possibly Robinson's playing. They're 478 man hour bowlers to go with Craig Overton. This doesn't excite me as much now. So I think McCullum's going to have to. He's going to have to work out what his grand plan is from the bowling department point of view because not only is it you know three unbelievable sides he's playing against, he's got to find some way of getting 20 wickets because you know, as well as I do, Manners, if you can't get 20 wickets, England are one win from 17, you ain't going to win test matches. So you can have all the excitement in the world from the appointments. Pre-season, we're going to win the championship, we're going to win the World Cup, we're going to do everything. We get to the first day, first game. Can't bowl the side out. Uh-oh. Yeah, we're struggling again. So no matter how good your coach is, it's about the players. And unfortunately, from a bowling point of view, we are short of a few Rolls Royces. Yeah, well, if you haven't got a fast bowler, they always say, pick a leg spinner. So maybe Maddie Parkinson will uh, provide the wicket-taking glitz and, uh, and rock star quality. OK, let's move on to the Jimmy Anderson uh, interview now. He was speaking to Harmy earlier this week. They were at the uh, Leicester Electricity Sports Cricket Club with England's test partners, LV Insurance, and they were handing over a donation to the club, which will be used to train up a new coach and relaunch their women's side as part of their commitment to support 4,000 new coaches through LV and the ECB's Funds for Runs community initiative. Here's Jimmy speaking to Harmy. All right, Jim, we're here with LV. I think the question from the deer would be coming from Burnley Critic Club, me from Ashton Critic Club, Woody from Ashton Critic Club, and seeing the very similar community areas, how important it is this, this sort of the money that goes into grassroots 
to see that hopefully come back and develop after what we've had with COVID. Yeah, I think it's massive. Uh, like you say, coming from club cricket, it was important for my club in particular to have coaches of a yeah. good standard to be able to bring through the young players. And we ended up bringing through five or six county players, which was incredible. So to see LV put the money back in, I think it's 4,000 4, coaches they've raised the money for through the uh, the initiative, this initiative um, is great and it will help grassroots cricket, it will help clubs maybe produce a next county player mm. or in, even international player, so it's great, yeah. And speaking of coaches, got a new coach, played yeah. against him a few times. Um, is it an exciting um, time ahead for you and for England with you know, Brendan McCollum coming in, Rob Key coming in, saying they want you and, and Stuart to come back in? What do you make of the changes at the top? Yeah, I, th- I think it's an exciting time. You'd, you'd probably say that R- Rob and Brendan are slightly left field picks for those roles, considering the people that have been in those roles in the past. But I think it's an exciting time. You know, the, um, certainly with Brendan as test coach, having played against him a lot, seeing him as New Zealand captain and how forward thinking he was, how attacking he was. It's just an, yeah, an exciting time. I'm fascinated to, to see whether I'm involved or not, to see what, what they bring. Um, and I'm, I think you get the feeling that him and Ben would actually be a, a really good partnership because I do feel like the similar sort of thinking cricketers. So, um, yeah, it's an exciting time. It's been, I would say, it, you've seen everything. You know, I think the greatest, the greatest sportsman I've, or greatest person that's played my sport um, and to see what you know what you've had to go through over the course of the last sort of three months, how hard was that? As well as, did you ever think oh, that's me done? Uh, I didn't ever think that. No, I felt like, well, in terms of playing cricket, no, I never thought that. In terms of international cricket, I wasn't sure. Mm. It's just I didn't know what was going on. So, but in, in terms of actually still wanting to play the game, that's what. You know, I, I was sort of thinking to myself, talking to my family about me and Stuart had a few conversations as well. And I feel like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm so lucky that I've got the body that I have that's allowing me to bowl mm. at this standard. Could be worse, it could be like mine. Exactly. <laughs> so I know you were thinking it. <laughs> no, at, at 39, to be able to still play at the, this level yeah. and to perform the, the way I know I can, I feel really fortunate and I want to keep doing that for as long as I can because... You know, I've played with so many players that want to keep going but they can't quite because the body's not allowing them or they get injured or whatever it might be. But as long as I've got the love for the game, love for the the, uh, the other bits that people don't see, the gym <laughs> stuff and the, the nets and whatever else, then you know, I, I don't see any reason to stop. I didn't see the gym stuff either. <laughs> <laughs> when you go just sort of to come into the start of the summer, you hear that the captain wants you, to hear that the director of cricket wants you you then have to go and play a few games to get going. Is it as simple as it's another summer and put the nonsense that's been talked about to one side and it's this is just focusing on another summer and I'm ready to go again? Yeah, I put that stuff behind me pretty quickly. Obviously, it was a little bit of time where I was frustrated with the decision and mm. the way things were handled, but you know, I was yeah, soon forgotten. I was straight back into thinking, right, I'm starting the season with Lancashire. I'm going to try and perform as well as I possibly can for them. And that was all I was thinking about, really. So, um, yeah, it's nice to hear those things said, but still, until that squad's announced, mm. you know, you never want to really count your chickens. So um, I'm just going to keep trying to perform well for Lanks and hopefully 
No, those performances will get recognised. Mm. And Ben, as captain, what does Ben bring to the table? Uh, is it? Do you feel, if if selected, do you feel a sense of responsibility yourself as a senior player to, you know, maybe rein Ben in a bit? You know, you've seen what Freddie went through, and I don't want to put comparisons to what Fred or Beefy or to to Ben's captaincy or anything like that. But is there a responsibility on senior players to to, to help Ben, but also sometimes tell him that he might be might be doing too much? Yeah, I, th- I think there's always a responsibility as a senior player to try and look after the team, really. So you, you try and help the captain as much as you can. You know, as experienced players, whether it's myself, Stuart, Joe, you know, we've got plenty of Chris Wilkes in there as well, Johnny Bairstow. There's plenty of experience in there, lots of test matches. So it's our job to try and be su- the, the support for, for the whole team, and the captain that includes the captain. And I also think that it's the, the, the coach is also there for that, yeah. to try and lighten the load for the captain to try and make sure he's not doing too much he's not what comes with the England captaincy or has done in the past there's, there's quite a lot of outside stuff and a lot of noise around it so I think you know Ben might need help with that sort of stuff just to take as you say he, he does everything yeah. he plays all forms of the game um, so he'll need help I think outside just to make sure he's not put under too much pressure and you've played a couple of games now you know, we all see the footage of you against Joe the other day and you know, it was great to see you know, not only there's been a lot of knocking of county cricket and it always happens after an Ashes series home or away how good has it been to go back into county cricket and see the level and the standard rise and higher and I can think and think watching the likes of a Freedy Bowl and that Pajara and Pajara and Rizwan playing and you against Joe how important is that to not to to put the knockers to one side? Yeah, I think it's huge. I th- uh, you know, I, as you say, after an Ashes series, everything sort of <laughs> co- it comes under the microscope, and county cricket's the first thing to get to get knocked. But I think this year, from what I've seen, it's the, the standard's been so high. We've had great pitches. We have some good weather, yeah. so the pitches have been flat. And yeah, it's just I think it will improve the standard of, of play you know it'll allow batters when batters can trust the pitch it'll allow them to bat for long periods of time and be confident about doing that it'll also encourage fast bowlers to, to think a bit differently about the game how, do I, how am I going to hit wickets on a pitch where I just can't pop it on a spot mm. and it'll do something after a bit on a, on a green top so you've got to think a bit differently and out, outside the box with that sort of thing and it'll also bring spinners in you know, day three and four which again can't be a bad thing for, for English cricket so yeah, it's been a, a really impressive start to the season for me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And the one person that you've seen close up, um, and you talk about spinners, something different. And I think he's not far away from playing because of our battery of fast bowlers, they're all injured. We might need something different on a flat pitch. Matt Parkinson, what do you make of how he's gone in the winter? And then obviously he's had a what he's been in, a, in this summer. And also, you think he's got a chance? Yeah, I'm, I'm all, I've been impressed with him. That every time I take the field with him, I've been impressed with him. Every time I watch him, he, he seems to get better and better. What he ha- has got, or is it getting even better at, is his control in the first innings. So when it's maybe not spinning as much, you know, trying to keep um, that sort of have that control to to be able to allow the seamers to to rotate from the other end. I think that's crucial. Uh, and obviously, he can rag it square mm-hmm. in the second innings when it's spinning. Um, so yeah, I've been really impressed with him, um, and you know, he's been on the last couple of tours. He's, he's had a sort of taste of international life, so to speak, or being in and around the squad. So he's obviously not far away. Uh, I think he's just got to keep trying to work hard, um, take wickets for lengths, and see what happens.
Are you as frustrated as Stuart when people say Broad and Anderson? When they put you in this, as, as they're talking about the same person? I don't know about frustrated. You know, I, I, I feel like we wouldn't have had the success we would have had without mm. the other sort of thing. I think we have formed a really good partnership. But obviously we are individuals mm. and Stuart uh, is an incredible bowler. Um, on his own and, and you know for me he would get in any international team in the world um, and I, I you know I feel like that about myself I feel like we, we, we work so hard at our, our game and we've got the quality to be able to offer something to, to any team so um, yeah I, I think it, I wouldn't say frustrated but mm. I, I understand what you well, mean yeah and it's it frustrates me because I, I don't think he's getting you, you get a huge amount of credit because the two years are unbelievable but when I keep hearing Broad Anderson, Broad Anderson, it's like you've got to eventually. You know, one's got six hundred million, the other one's got five hundred million test wickets. I think it's, I think I sometimes think it's disrespectful, and I and, and I know Stuart said that he gets a little bit frustrated on it. But when I I do think that there is and and there's a obviously the age that Stuart keeps mentioning that he's he's obviously a little bit younger. So he doesn't want to be. You know, why? Why am I going to be? Yeah. Why am I talking about my career finishing? Yeah, I've got. I've got a few years to go. But exactly. I, I totally understand that. So Stuart being thirty-five, you know, I, my career since I was thirty-five, mm. I've probably had my best four years in yeah. international cricket. So for, from his point of view, he he thinks, why can't I have the best years ahead of me? Sort of thing. You know, it's not like we're losing pace or the skills are dropping or the fitness is dropping. You know, we we set really high standards of ourselves. Uh, and that's why we've done what we have for the last however many years, 15, 20 years. And that, there's no reason why Stuart can't go on till, uh, for another four or five years. Definitely. And this summer, three New Zealand, three against South Africa, two very, very good sides with a, maybe a little score settle in the middle against, against India from going home. How, how important is it to start with a win at Lords or a convincing, you know, we're not going to stop the rot and not going to lose? Yeah, well, it's, it's massive, I think. You know, we, we, we've had a tough tough winter, lost both series last summer. You know, still got the one to play against India, which we could potentially draw the series, which would be a, an odd sort of mm. scenario in the middle of the summer. But yeah, playing New Zealand, the last time they came over here, they, they beat us. Um, they're a fantastic team. Um, and they're, they're hard to beat. Mm. And I think that's something that, you know, we could get better at as a team. Is I think that's what you're alluding to. Mm. Is if if we don't win, can we become a team that is really hard to beat? Um, and that's what you need to be in Test cricket. You need to find ways of putting in strong performances, whether it's a win or whether it's a, a good draw. Um, so yeah, I think starting well is always important. The, the you know starting at Lords always feels like opposition teams coming here, and Lords is like mm. the pinnacle, yeah. and that's where they want to put in the best performance. Mm. So. Uh, we've got to be on it from from right from the start, and then, as you said, so we've got New Zealand, then India, then South Africa, who uh, feel I feel like they're making really good strides in testing the Test arena. So not easy for us, but you know from where we are, we're towards the bottom, if not the bottom of the <clears throat> Test Championship. So we've got nothing to lose by going out there and just trying to give it everything. And, England's all-time leading wicket-taker Jimmy Anderson speaking to uh, Steve Harmison. Many thanks to LV Insurance. You covered a lot of ground there, Harmy. I'll never forget that three... Well, it was three years ago um, when you said, do you know what? We were watching Jimmy at his best and you said, do you know what? He could he could play till he's 40. And uh, and we all thought, oh, yeah. Well, well, now people are saying he could play till he's 44. 
44, I think he could play at least 50. He just, well, I say that, I say that and probably drop a minute a little bit here, but we're sitting in the car on the way down and he he came on the phone. He phoned and then asked where, what was happening, what we were doing and getting what time getting there and stuff like that. And just made a sort of polite comment and you know, how the last four days have been in, in the Roses game. And he said he was, he, he felt it. Trust me, he felt it. So my initial thoughts were, we're going to get to this appearance and Jimmy's going to be Captain Grumpy as normal. And yeah, But he was brilliant. He was good form. He was, I thought he had wind at first. I patted him on the back a couple of times because I thought he had a bit of wind when he was smiling all the time. But he was in really good form. He was, he was in, that's his, Jimmy Anderson's the greatest in my my eyes. Greatest in England, but arguably up there with, he, he needs to be talked in, in the company of, of, you look at the five wisdom cricketers of the century. Jimmy's in that bracket for what he's done, what he's achieved and his longevity. And he said he still loved it. He said he still loved doing the preseason stuff. A couple of weeks, it took him to get over what had happened with non-selection of the Caribbean. But then once he got started again, touched on the Broad and Anderson sort of comparison, frustrations that Stewart's probably got more than Jimmy. But he also mentioned you know, the length of time that the career that Jimmy's had from Stuart's age to where Jimmy is now. And he said, there's no reason why Stuart can go on and do that. And I look at him and I think, you know what? He could go beyond this year. I really do. And I said that three years ago. And I wasn't joking when I said he'll play at least 40. But Jimmy might go on beyond this year. He might not go away in the winter. But this time next year, we might be talking about new ball at Lords, James Anderson. And I wouldn't put it past him. And... And you, you couldn't really knock him for, for wanting to do that because he says, I still feel I've got the drive and the hunger to play cricket. While I do that, I'll put myself up for selection. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Right, let's hear now from England fast bowler Mark Wood, who was speaking at Leicester Electricity Sports Cricket Club, where he was working with England's test partners, LV Insurance. LV were giving a donation to the club, which will be used to train up a new coach and relaunch their women's side as part of the commitment to support 4,000 new coaches through LV and the ECB's Funds for Runs community initiative. Here's Harmy speaking with Woody. Well, Mark, we're here at Leicester Electricity City Sports Club uh, with LV. And how's the recovery going? Not bad. Uh, Slow progress at the minute. Things are going to plan in terms of I'm back bowling and I'm off about half a run-up but um, I'm, I want things to go a little bit quicker. I mean you know me I'm uh, trying to go at full throttle all the time so I have to be a little bit more patient and, and before I can get back off that full run and start charging in again. Um, and actually I'm going to mention <clears throat> what we're here for in this in this critic club I just wanted to make sure that we got that bit in on your recovery. It's a great initiative when you look at the club that we've come from. Yeah. It's a great club. Um, and what potentially could be out there for other cricket clubs around the country. We do a lot of work on TalkSport with grassroots grassroots cricket, Institute Cricket, who we're sponsored by. Um, it's a fantastic to see and come to a club like this, and hopefully other clubs around the country will get supported for it. Yep, and a, a rebuild project here after you know COVID times, and they've been going through some tough times. So to get an um, initiative like this, where they're going to support the cricket club, they're going to support... New coaches, which is obviously vital, um, and support the women's game, which is you know taken off now. Hopefully, in this country, after things like the hundred and you know the, on the back of the women making the World Cup final, so great that 
they're covering all bases, they're getting the club back up and running um, and, and doing a great job. Uh, so well done, LV. And speaking about coaches, got a new one, Brendan McCullum. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Also, you know, new managing director, director of cricket, Rob Key coming in. How's how's that gone down? I think it's all got down really well. It's exciting. Um, you know, fresh faces we've got across the board. Obviously, Stokes, he's now the captain. Um, Brendan McCullum, coach, and Rob Key, DOC. It looks like a totally different shape and... And, and you speak to not just the players, but anybody. I mean, going up the local cricket club or you know passing cricket fans in the street, they're all asking us about McCullum and Stokes. They're excited by that combination, um, and I think that you know me personally as a player, I think that's you know pretty good. You know, you've got Stokes as this dynamic player, Brandon McCullum as this dynamic player. You know, if we're not going to twenty four and over, I'll be I'll be shocked. So, but he was uh, your first Test wicket. That's right. So if he doesn't get us in the team, no, you know what I mean. He's got to get me in there. And what do you make? Obviously, you've spent a lot of time with Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, and rightly so question marks on is he taking too much on mm. time out of the game you know the mental health aspect will never ever go away where do you see Ben as a leader and how do you feel as though the timing of his appointment fits in with obviously the way Ben is in his career at the moment I think he's a natural leader anyway, Stokesy. I think um, whether he has the tag of captain or not, he leads by example in training, um, how hard he trains and, and how he prepares. Um, and that attitude that he's got where it's, you know, he never, ever gives in. It, it, you know, you think there's three runs to win and, and they could have 10 weights in hand. Stokesy will still believe that he can be the man to do it. He has that inner belief. And now that he's got the, the tag of being actual captain, I think the responsibility will, will be good for him. I know you mentioned his mental health, but... I truly believe that um, his character and you know the fact that he, he cares for others, I think, will help his mental health because he'd be caring too much about everyone else. I know everyone probably sees him as this, you know, alpha, um, strong, big bloke, um, you know, puffy Chester. But actually, he cares for his teammates. Um, he looks after people, wants the best for them, and I think he'll inspire people to. You know, go along the same track that he goes down. He'll inspire them to follow him in, in the battle, follow him um, when times are tough. And hopefully, if he leads by example the way he trains, you know, people will fall by the the wayside if they do, if they don't follow his example. So, um, it's a chance for everyone, a fresh start, and a chance to impress the new captain and coach. And you were in the West Indies for you know half the half the trip. Huge controversy before it. No Broad, no Anderson. Um, they've both been told that up for selection they're coming back in how good is that from you know a bowler that's bowled with their whole career with, with Jimmy and Brody? Um he got a smile on his face this day mm-hmm. so you know I wasn't sure if it was wind I was going to pat him on the back when I seen him a bit earlier <laughs> I thought it might have been a bit wind but he, he looks as though he's, he's still and he showed he showed during this week how good of a bowler he is because of what he did to Joe Root who had just got a big 100 in the first innings how good is it to have the two you know legends back I think, you know, the skill level is never, ever in question. Is it the, the two of the best bowlers? Well, Jimmy's the best bowler ever, you know what I mean? So I think having them come back on the side only helps the chance of winning. I know Stokesy has mentioned that, you know, it's not going to be a transition period. He wants whatever England team would pick to be a winning side. And that's what we've got to get back to. I think, you know, having not won many games lately, um, it isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be fixed overnight. We're playing a world-quality side in New Zealand who are the best in the world of Test cricket at the minute, so it's not going to be easy. But if we if we want any chance of winning these games, we're going to have to pick the best side we can at that moment in time to win the game. And in the best England eleven, I'm sure most people agree, Broad and Anderson um, will be in it. And somebody that potentially could be in it from Durham's point of view. What do you made of Matt Potts 
how he's gone so far this season and also the development. Tell us something about him because I don't know a great deal about the, the individual in, in Matt Potts. What I have seen is he's took 35 wickets so far this season and he looks as though you know, he's got something about him that I think England need to be looking at. I think, well, two things there. Firstly, I totally agree with what you said. He's got something about him. I think that's a perfect way to describe him. The second thing is he's took all those weights on what I would describe as, I know it's early April, but we've played on some pretty docile weights, almost like test match wickets where, you know, the, the games have gone four days and a lot of them have been draws and things like that. And he's been the one on the Durham side that's looked like he's going to make something happen, like you say. Um, he's a lad that's built... You know, he's a strong lad, He's um, does a lot of gym work and things like that. And from his first over to his last over, it doesn't seem like there's much change. He's a fit lad. Um, and more than anything, when you think nothing's happening, he's the kind of guy that'll get you a wicket. And I think he's proved that over the, these these games when others have maybe struggled or haven't took the cluster of wickets. He stood up and in key moments took wickets. So it's a great trait to have and you know to play with Stokesy. Stokesy's played in these last couple of games when Potsy's took wickets. Stokesy will get a look at him. Up close, he's the kind of character I think that just has a go at things. Mm-hmm. I think he just, you know, he doesn't think about things too much. He just has a go, mm-hmm. and I think Seems that's to be the northern way. Uh, that that sort of freedom of, I guess, being a kid in some ways, and just oh, I'll have a pop at it, and whatever happens, happens. That's what he has. That's what he seems to be. Just not take a backward step, charge in. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. If it doesn't go well, uh, I'll have another go next time. And. Um, that's what type of type of character he is. And another one off the, the sort of conveyor belt of fast bowlers from Durham's point of view, Brian Koss, he's back playing this week. Exciting. Um, another exciting bowler. I know Ben Stokes thinks a lot of him, especially mm. in one-day cricket when he picked him last year. Um, I think it was at, was at Bristol in the one-day series. Um, mm. He looked good then. How has he come back? Well, I watched his first uh, over batting. I know it's only one over, but I watched his first over closely. He ran in really well, uh, looked strong and fit, and he was getting a tram through the keeper. And often, you know, as a as a taller bowler myself, you know, it's like the keeper. As soon as he starts taking it with his fingers pointed up, and mm-hmm. they're a long way back, it, it looks good on the eye. And I'm not sure, you know, many batsmen would would want to face that. He's got openly and Stokes he said himself he's got a really awkward action mm-hmm. uh, one, one that isn't easy to pick up and when he's bowling quick and you have an awkward action it makes it difficult for people so um, a wicket taker um, not someone that's necessarily you know in the team to go one and two and over but he's in there to take wickets and a bit like Potsy they both have a natural knack of doing that and we've got a few fast bowlers injured at the minute how do you how do you see that from somebody who uh, keeps having to come back and going back to the well. Like I'm talking about himself, Jofra, Ollie Stone, you know, Cars as, as somebody. Are we just having bad luck or is this something that we potentially need to have a look at and change oh, in our system? Uh, yeah, great question. Um, I think probably something that maybe we, we might look at at one point. I mean, I've been managed well in the last couple of years and managed to put a couple of years together, which I was really pleased about, which is why this injury, I guess, is so frustrating. But with playing, you know, the schedules at times, there's some one-day games while the test matches is going on. Mm. So there's just so much cricket going on and then you add franchise cricket on top of that, which a lot of lads are playing nowadays. It's almost impossible to, to do everything. Um, so with, you know, the ECB medical team, Brendan McCullum and Rob Kay, I'm sure they'll get the load down on and, and they'll have to pick and choose well of when the fast bowlers bowl. It just seems a little bit of bad luck, a bit of a coincidence at the minute that all of the bowlers are out at one time but now we get to talk about pots and cars and then you get to look at more people and then that, that way the, the pool becomes bigger it drives everybody on a bit more 
um, because when you know if they're doing well, I'm not going to get back in the team, so I'll have to step it up and, and make sure that if you know if there's a chance that I that I perform if I get, if I ever get back in. And finally, um, you're just on you individually, probably looking to get in fit in the middle of the summer. And you mentioned there one day cricket overlapping Test match cricket, so there's the hundred, the blast, and back end of this back end of the year, you've got a T20 World Cup coming around the corner. How much are you looking forward to that? And as a team, from an England point of view, you're at an age where a lot of you are sort of getting to around that 30 mark. Mm-hmm. Is this the big time to win the T20 World Cup? Yeah, I think um, that's obviously in a lot of sights for a lot of players. Um, the World Cup at the end of the year, you know, the disappointment of the, the one that, that has just gone will be out to, you know, better that this year. I really feel like, you know, the, the quality and the depth that we've got in that one-day team, especially, I mean, it's gone on for a long time. We really need to try and make a count on these. You know, we've got the twenty overs, then the fifty overs, um, and we really want to, you know, be remembered as a a, a great, great team. Um, so, all similar age, all vying for that same bit. For me personally, I want to try and build up this summer if I can, and the one day as first, build it up there, and then you know, if if I can get back in the Test match side later in the summer, then that'll be a bonus. But um, try and get back in the England one day team first, build up there, um, see what happens with the Test matches, and then have enough form and have put enough good performances in this summer to, to try and get a spot on the plane for, for Australia. Durham and England fast bowler Mark Wood speaking to uh, Harmy a little earlier this week, thanks to uh, LV Insurance. I mean, he's quite philosophical about the fact that so many fast bowlers are going down with injury. Two more um, are ruled out for the rest of the season now um, in Matt Fisher and Saqib Mahmood. Um, he's had problems with injuries all his career, hasn't he? I mean, I suppose... Do you ever really get used to them? No, I don't think you do. I think you you learn to live with the realization that the fast bowling part of the game is, especially from a, you know the, the the real fast bowlers, the the ones that bowl in excess of ninety mile an hour, the big lads that push their bodies to the limits and the boundaries. That you have to quite philosophical that you are going to get injured, and it's how you come back from that injury. It was it was a good day. I enjoyed. I spent a lot obviously. Drove down with him, drove back with him. So three and a half hours with him in a car <laughs> was uh, it was that had its ups and downs. Put it this way. Um, and the the fun thing, what element? Well, I go about the day. The fun thing element was we we had to do. It was basically surprising a club that they, were, they thought they were just going to have a, a game of sort of fifteen over cricket amongst themselves. And when they got to the dressing room, there was a surprise because Jimmy Anderson was the coach. When they got on the field, they were surprised that me and Ishiguro were the umpires. Um, they didn't have a umpire's coat to fit me, so I think they had to go and get one from a, bit, a lot bigger umpire. And then the, the the best part of it, the T-boy, was T-boy was Mark Wood. So they've gone off halfway thinking, well, we've seen Jimmy Anderson, Steve Armisen, Ishiguro, and and then they've gone into the to the lunchroom and there's Mark Wood with his apron on bringing a great big pot of tea out. So he did rush, did put a bit of kick in somebody's face. But it was a good day and he was on good form. And he's somebody who I think England are desperately to get back fit. But to go on to the fast bowler side of it, I come back to the fact that these bowlers don't bowl enough. When people say, well, why do people get injured like that? It's like they're not bowling enough. They're not bowling anywhere near enough. And do I blame the bowler? Yes. Do I blame the system? Yes. Do I blame people who don't understand the, the art of bowling or the bowling action, i.e. the sports scientists, the medical teams that just see numbers on a bit of paper, numbers on a on a computer, on how many overs the bowler, how many 
how the data of how far they've gone. I'm sorry, there's only one way to, to get fit for bowling and to stay fit for bowling, and that's, be, that's bowling. And that is bowling more and more and more to make sure your body's hard and supple. Man, as you've, you've covered cricket for years, you ask the likes of Alan Donald, Sean Pollock, you know, greats of South African bowling, Mikhail Antini, bowl all day, literally bowl all day in the nets. And, and, but the, their body was hardened. The problem I've got is every time you come back for an injury or every time you say, give a bowler a week off or 10 days off, he's putting the rest of his body at risk when he comes back especially the big lads, especially the fast, fast bowlers. Unfortunately, we've got, it, we've got it all wrong. We wrap bowlers up in cotton wool, think, oh, we need to protect these bowlers. Sorry, you don't. You don't need to protect them. You need them to bowl because protecting them is doing them more harm than good. And I'm, unfortunately, the proof's in the pudding. We have got no 90-odd mile an hour bowlers fit at this minute in time. We're going to possibly take a chance on a young kid in Matt Potts, and we're going to take a chance on Jamie Overton it wouldn't even come in question if four or five, and I'm not, that's not disrespectful to Jamie, but unfortunately, something's got to change. Our coaching system is miles wrong, and some of the, the medical side of it is you're not protecting them. You're actually doing them more harm than good for me. Sorry, rant over. <laughs> um, and a final word on Ollie Robinson. Um, as Sussex were pushing for a, a much-needed victory on the last day against Leicestershire, he bowled just seven overs. I think four of them were were off spin. Um, he had a very, very quiet day and very quiet game. Now, um, I'm not going to judge him at all because I don't know how serious the food poisoning was. Um, but, you know, he was he was on the field and he was OK to to bowl off spin. And, it, it you know, uh, some people wrote some harsh words questioning his um, lack of application. It, you know, food poisoning can be seriously debilitating, but um, Sussex were pushing for victory and he he couldn't bowl. Yeah, and, and look, I've had my say on, on, on Ollie Robinson. I go back to my career and I got questioned a little bit like what Ollie Robinson got just as I, I got into the England side. And there was a couple of articles written about me, which I didn't like. And I got, did, did something about it. I went away and did something about it. A realisation that I probably wasn't ready to play cricket for England from a mentality and body point of view. Had all the skills, had all the tools to do that like Ollie has, but I didn't have the sort of mentality that probably needed to do it. And the article was a, a poison one, and I, and I did something about it. Ollie's had an article about him. Ollie's had a coach call him out in public. I've got no doubt Ollie's had countless number of senior players from Sussex or England speak to him about it. Penny's got to drop, or the penny just goes somewhere else. And that's the problem for me is a lot of people are saying it's at the Broader Robinson. How can you possibly pick somebody who is doing, you know, who is not looking after himself, not focusing to be the best he possibly can be? And we pick him over somebody who gets criticized for having standards and not happy when he's not playing and shouts, shouts and screams and says, Well, why am I not playing? Because I feel as though I've done enough to get in the side. For me, there's only one winner there. And it only ever was one winner. There was never any any other than, than Stuart Broad. But there's got, there'll be a come a time where England go, right, that's enough. Enough's enough. You can go and bowl off spin as much as you want. For Sussex, it might be the time where he loses his central contract. But if you lose his central contract, all of a sudden, you ain't coming back. That could be the final straw that he doesn't get a game this year. He loses his central contract. But by that time, the horse is bolted and your international career might be gone. So 
I think he needs to have a good look at himself in the mirror. He might have to play. He might be playing against the Turin side this week and he might just go and get a bag of wickets, which puts him back in a frame. But from a food poison point of view, you're either on the field or you're off the field. If you're not well, don't put yourself on the field. I'm sorry, lads. I'm, I'm doing more harm than good here. Because three times last year, this last winter, he has done his teammates more harm than good by being on the field. And that, unfortunately, Ollie, you're going to have to look at. And if you're happy with that, yeah, fine, fine. Yeah, if that's where you want to, your outlook of the game is, you're not be playing at national cricket for, for any more. You have to, you know, try and be the best physical shape you possibly can be. Unfortunately, at the minute, it seems that people are questioning his, his physicality because skill level, there's no question, the boy can bowl. And uh, it must be pointed out, he's a, he's a fair off-spinner as well, but that was not his job on the last day of that game against Leicester, so you wouldn't have thought. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll pay tribute to former Australian all-rounder Andrew Simons, who's passed away. But next, we'll look back at round six of the County Championship. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, on to uh, round six and, uh, of the county championship and our selected highlights. We've got to start with the Yorkshire uh, with the uh, the Roses match. Yorkshire drawing with Lancashire. 
Joe Root's 100, Keaton Jennings' double 100 for Lancashire, 238. Is he an outside chance of, of regaining his England place, I should say? Matt Parkinson, 6 for 143 match uh, figures, 23 wickets for the season now at, uh, at 23 and a half. But we're going to talk about Harry Brook again because uh, his 82 to help save the game, 732, 739 runs at an average of almost 150. Well, you've had him at, at number five for England for about a month now. And that just just re-emphasises his form. Yeah, he does. For me, he's, he's he has to play. The minute Stoke said he was going to six, I think that told the country that Brook was going to bat five. It was either Pope or Brook was going to bat five. And I think... I think them numbers speak for themselves. It's unreal. The, the highlight of that game, though, was Root getting 147 in the first innings, showing you know, that he is still in sublime form and sublime touch. And that spell of bowling by Anderson up the hill at, uh, from the rugby stand end. Um, and the beauty, it was an absolute beauty. You've got you to got marvel in the skill level of Anderson. You know, the, you, the way he set him up was, was fantastic. Now, if you just watch the highlights, you see the ball... It is an absolute beauty of a delivery, but the rest of the highlights don't do the, that ball justice. Keep telling youngsters, you know, setting a batsman up is key. You've got to think 10 balls ahead on how you want to sort of kill the, go in for the kill. And Jimmy set Joe Root, one of probably the best batsmen in test matches in, in you know, the last two or three years. And he knocked off in middle, out the ground. And it was Root turning round, looking at leg stump, the only stump in the ground, Anderson, he didn't say anything. I said to Jimmy, what did you say? I said, is he, there's any choice words there? And he said, no, I didn't say anything. I just let I let the stumps do the talking sort of thing, just <laughs> off the cuff comment. But hey, that that for me is why you know, the county cricket is, you know, that, that was at its best. Good flat wicket, good contest, great contest between Yorkshire and Lancashire um, and two of, our, the, two of the greatest that we've ever produced going head to head. I would say it was 15 all. 147 in the first innings for Root and Jimmy Anderson knocking two stumps out of the ground in the second innings. I would say that was that was an even contest for me. Durham managed to get their first win of uh, the season, beating Camorgan by 58 runs. Maddie Potts, wow, 11 for 101. The fast bowlers have been struggling. I want to talk to you about balls, Duke's balls. Um, but we just quickly rattle through our highlights of round six of the championship. And then I want to come back to the subject of balls because... Uh, the balls, uh, the, there were unscheduled changes, I think seven or eight of them, maybe even nine during this game. But anyway, none of that was bothering Maddie Potts. Match figures of 11 for 101, 35 wickets this season, comfortably the leading wicket taker. And Bryden Cass returned for, for Durham as well, which was great to see. Great to see Cass back. He'll play for England, if not this summer, definitely in the winter. He is a very, very good bowler. And I think he, he helps that. Balance this side because he can bat a bit as well. So from that point of view, Potts said from the start of the season that I think this kid's got a chance. He's got a bit of pace. He's got an action which is quite difficult to pick up. And I watched some of the, the, the dismissals he had on a docile pitch. You mentioned the balls on dear full. And that and there was one or two dismissals. I thought, I think it was it Carl, it was Kieran Castle's one where he sort of bounced him and it just ballooned up in the air. Uh, into into the into the gloves of the keeper, he bowled some quick deliveries, and I thought there when I seen that one, I thought that's why he's got to play for England because he gives you something different that nobody else can give you at this minute who's fit. So for me, he's a shoe in as much as Brook is a shoe in at five. 
I think Potts has got to play as well because it gives you something different in the uh, in the bowling attack. And again, it was a good game for Durham as a whole. You know, they haven't lost many front up, but they hadn't won any. So it was a case of can we get that win over the line when we've got our strong side out? And Durham now are right back in the promotion promotion hunt. Lee's got a few runs, which is nice to see. Uh, Stoke spent a bit of time in the middle. Um, I thought it was actually I thought it was a quite entertaining game of cricket between Durham and Glamorgan. As it was um, Nottinghamshire at Lords, um, I must say, Notts did everything they possibly could and uh, deserved mm. to win that game. We haven't seen Middlesex outplayed quite so as they were um, in this game um, in the, the previous matches. Um, where to start? Luke Fletcher becomes the first and only first-class cricketer score of 50 at number one and number 11. In the same match, he came in as uh, there was one over to go, wasn't it, at the end of uh, day yeah. two? And uh, he was he, he was a, an opening night watchman. You don't get too many of them, but uh, that's just brilliant. And then they, it was a run out as well that uh, we, he picked with a direct hit from mid on, which was brilliant. Steve Mullaney then smashed a fifty-eight ball century to to set the game up. Um, but um, yeah, a Middlesex managed to, to escape. Not too sharp from, from Stuart Broad. Match figures of three for 68, wicketless in the fourth innings. Yeah, I'm sure Broadly next week will be wanting to to get you know, in the test match mode and, and get a few wickets. Uh, when he goes again next week, I think it's about bowling overs for Stuart at this minute in time. So not be worried too much on him. Sam Robson, has he knocked on, has he knocked on the door? Has he not hard enough to say to the selectors, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. That's... That's another good good century on the ground against a good bowling attack. But he's got to be my favourite county cricketer, Luke Fletcher. He's not going to... Sorry, Luke, I don't, I'm not picking you for England. But I love this bloke to bits. I know we had him on last year and he's a friend of the show. But his enthusiasm to be as good as he, he can be and get every ounce out of himself. He enjoys when he's in the field. He's seen him when he got the run out. I think he would give Usain Bolt a chance. Um, when he when he when he had the run out celebrating and hit the stumps, and then you know he's he's a man after my own heart. He's there for a good time when he's got a bat in the hand, and this time it was more of a long time when he went in it and as as a night watchman, um, he must have loved that. And he's a, he's a special human being that yeah, from county cricket's point of view, he must be a joy to play with because he's always seems to be in a positive frame of mind, and that can only be good for your team. And finally. Um... Two draws to finish with. Sean Massoud, another 100 for Derbyshire. Jack Haynes hit uh, his second century of the summer, 21-year-old. Uh, it was funny, uh, last week when he, he scored 100, uh, a lot of people said, oh, there'll be more to come. Well, he didn't have to wait long because uh, he struck his second straight away. Jake Libby had a slow start to the season, but uh, he's off the mark with uh, his first 100. Mickey Arthur said that uh, he, the first job was to make Derbyshire hard to beat. He's certainly done that. And Surrey, of course, uh, denied by rain on the last day. They were all over Kent, who managed to escape with a draw. Yeah, um, uh, watch out for young Jack Kent. I think the kid's got a bit of talent. Didn't, you don't want to shout too, too much too because you get people putting his name in headlights. And, uh, yeah, former England, England cricketer says, yeah, he's one to watch. I think the boy's got talent and I think it's... I think he's somebody I'm sure he's on the radar of the selectors for a winter programme to just sort of try and advance his first class into the next step before, you know, whether whether he does sort of knock on the door for England. I think that, that boy's got a chance. I really do. And Surrey, again, strong, strong side, Surrey. 
that just couldn't quite get over the line at Beckenham on a wicket which we expected huge runs. But if it wasn't for fourth day rain, I think Surrey would have been um, victors in that one. Zach Crawley struggling again. Really, can England pick him? Can they afford to pick him? Is he the only one in county cricket that's up for selection that isn't doing that isn't doing the job at this minute in time? Um, and it's not as though Kent aren't doing the job because you look at Daniel Bale Drummond and and Ben Compton with their outscoring Zach Crawley on the same surfaces week after week after week. So going to be an interesting selection when it comes around that if uh, Zach Crawley gets the nod at the top of the order when he hasn't really done the job in county cricket for the first five or six games. Just a reminder that uh, the squad for the, uh, we believe it'll be a 16 or 17 man squad is Mm. uh, going to be announced uh, tomorrow. That's um, Wednesday the 18th. Um, So how's Sam Curran managed to get to 5,000 first class runs without scoring 100? It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how he hasn't got under the talent he's got. It's amazing how he hasn't gotten to three figures yet. But I'm just pleased he's playing. I really am. I'm pleased he's playing. He's on the field. Whether he gets a few overs or doesn't get a few overs, he's back playing and back scoring runs because I still I'm still in the is he a bowler who can bat all rounder or is he a batsman who can bowl all rounder? I think he's he's both facets are very, very good. And it's finding a role for him in the side. I actually don't think it's a bad thing that he's playing as a batsman who's not bowling at the minute. And if he can get that first 100, a bit like what we said last week about Jack Ains, it might be the first of many. Because I think he could be a, a batsman who can bowl in two or three years' time from a, from England point of view. Because I think he's super talented at both. He didn't bowl a lot in this game, but he did actually open the bowling. So um, it looks like mm. Surrey believes that uh, he can do absolutely everything as well. Right. For more content on the County Championship, you can listen to our brand new show, Following On County Cricketer, which will be available as a podcast every Thursday morning. And will also go out here on TalkSport 2 at 9am on Thursdays. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winner, the one and only Steve Harmison. All right, let's uh, get straight on to the subject of um, England's imminent uh, appointment of uh, a new white ball head coach. The uh, favourite, comfortably, is Matthew Mott. He is almost certain to be appointed. He's been poached or headhunted, if that's the right word from uh, the Australian women's team, where he's done an extraordinary job in the last uh, seven or eight years. They're on a a current run of losing just two out of 42 games. He's he's innovative, he's creative, and a man who knows him very well is uh, our own Jared Kimber, who was speaking earlier this week to Hawksby and Jacobs about the possible appointment of Mott. It's kind of hilarious that he's going to end up coaching the England white ball team if that does happen, because uh, I watched him play for years. I'm not sure he ever hit the ball off the square. He was about the most <laughs> dour player you really? would ever see. Oh, I mean, you would have hated him, mate. He was so... <laughs> everything was a forward defence. We used to make jokes. He played for Victoria for years and was a very good uh, player, but just... It was so boring to watch, incredibly boring. So to think he's gone from there to potentially, you know, the the coach of the most exciting white ball team in the world is a bit of an about face. As a coach, he's basically coached everywhere. I kind of, I always thought of him as more of an assistant coach. He's done consultancy work. I think he's, I think he worked with Ireland, uh, Glamorgan, Kolkata. He had a lot of success early on in T20 cricket with uh, New South Wales when they won the Champions League back then. Mm. Um, uh, so he, I always sort of saw him as more of a background guy, you know, uh, work, working uh, scenes. 
he's been incredible with the Australian women's team. It should be mentioned that the Australian women's team has more talent than almost the rest of the world put together. So that is a huge advantage. But he turned them... They had a embarrassing loss in the 2017 World Cup. And to go from where they were to become the most dominant team probably was seen in, in modern professional cricket says a lot about him. But, you know, until his name was actually mentioned, I wasn't thinking of him as a potential England coach. I've got to be honest with you guys. He's, he's good friends with McCullum. And McCullum uh, apparently recommended him for a, a, the New Zealand job a little while ago. So he obviously rates him as a coach. And that that's obviously part of that, that there's a plenty of joined up thinking Rob Key's looking for. Yeah, I mean, McCullum, you know, McCullum, I think, uh, came in about the white ball job and decided he wanted the red ball job. And now he looks like he's at least involved, let's say, in who's being selected for the white ball. So he's obviously been given a lot of power in that position. I think it's I think it's a b- huge boom for the women's game. I don't think a couple of years ago this would have been something that anyone would have thought of, that, uh, that you know, the head coach of one of the women's teams could just move across to, uh, you know, a men's team, especially a major men's team in this particular way. But, yeah, I do think McCullum is probably the more, defi- uh, you know, the more important part of all this. What is interesting is, you know, Ben Stokes hasn't coached much, but uh, sorry, hasn't captained much, but he's the, he's the leader, so we're going to go with him. And Rob Key hasn't done much, you know, general manager work, but, you know, he's Speaks good on a microphone. We're going to give him the job. McCullum's never coached red ball cricket. We're going to give it to him. Matthew Mott's the only, you know, sort of person who's done a lot of uh, this work coming in. He's a proper coach's coach. Uh, as I said, it, it certainly Matthew Mott has not got anywhere based on his playing reputation yeah. of, uh, you know, n- never hit the ball off the square. It's a much easier job as well. The England's white ball batting is in much better shape mm. than, it, than their test oh, lineup. Yeah, you could pay me to take over the red ball job. I don't know what McCullum's seeking, right? <laughs> uh, the white ball job, you come in, you go, okay, we've got a couple of World Cups here. You know, even, even if we just have an average time, we've got a chance of winning one of those um no it's a much much better job i assume and, and it'd be interesting to see what happens but i assume that maybe mott's job will be more on the sort of a day to day coaching and i think mccullum might be more involved in sort of tactics and you know uh you know uh, blue sky thinking and all that sort of stuff because mm. i can't imagine mccullum's going to be as interested in that sort of stuff whereas that's kind of what mott has done for 20 years without really anyone paying any attention to him it's australian cricket writer jared kimber um speaking with hawksby and jacobs over on on talk sport uh just a quick word there what, what the key perhaps harmy is that he um is not only good friends with but came with the recommendation of of, of brendan mccullum so the only other time england have split coaches obviously was with andy flower and ashley giles and they knocked heads didn't they um and you know they both wanted the best for their <laughs> their teams <laughs> And, and, you know, I mean, Mott is obviously a very fine, accomplished coach, but it's the relationship that he will have with McCullum that is so important. Yeah, and it, that, that is important. Um, I personally would have stuck with two separate coaching teams, but one man who's accountable. But they're going down the road of, of this. My opinion on this is if he's the best man for the job, yeah, great, fair enough. But I also look at this and go, ECB coaching unit is not fit for purpose. Level one, two, three, and four, you've got to have level three to get into counties, I think. You've got to have level four to do a head coach's job. That's not fit for purpose. We are, we, this is telling us that this is not fit. Rob Key is telling that the, the ECB coaching manual, or the way it's going, that because I'm banging on it again and again, we've got 100, we've got 800 teams with one England coach. And that's James Foster this this year. We've got two red, but two international teams. 
with two foreign coaches. So our coaching system, our coaching pathway, the way things are moving through the ECB is not working. Something has to change. You know, people say to me, well, why, do you, why are you not getting into coaching? I'm not sort of literate enough to do level three, level four, and the time it takes and everything that goes with it. I can coach youngsters. I can coach people. I can talk to people about the game. Not a problem. I couldn't pass that because I'm, I'm not a bright so I'm not, a, I'm not educated enough to, to go through all the paperwork and that goes with it. That, for me, is why we are in the position of having two foreign coaches because we haven't got good cricket brains. We've got people who are educated who can get through these courses. And that, for me, needs to change now because we've got two foreign coaches. Matthew Mott, he might be the best man for the job, but at this, at this minute in time, where are our England coaches? Where are our former great players in the system to come and coach our international players, our young international players, potential international players? Because I'm sorry, I'm not saying who is Matthew Mott. He's done a great job with the Australian women's team. But if we are outsourcing these jobs, my God, we are in our, our coaching. Our coaching pathway is not fit for purpose, and that something that Rob Key needs to change right now, because this can't go on. Again, I'm off on a, another rant, but I'm looking at just a coach appointment like this might be the right man. It might be exciting. It might be good for the game. But I'm sorry, we had somebody in my history with Paul Collingwood has been a checkered one, but a former World Cup winner in T20, somebody who can coach comfortably. I thought he did a decent job in the Caribbean. Why is Paul Collingwood not not in, in this in this job from an Englishman's point of view? Come on, manners. You could get somebody at the bar to coach that white ball team. It's that good. Why are we going for an Australian? I think this is a message to say our coaching system is not fit for purpose. I do like a man who reinvents himself, though. And as Jared Kimber said there, as a batter, uh, he was as entertaining as a paving slab. Um, so for him to take charge of uh, the most entertaining um, one-day uh, limited overs team in the world is is ironic. OK, as promised, um, we need to say our farewells and our appreciation to the man affectionately known as Roy, Andrew Simons, before you have your say, Harmy. Um, this is what... Uh, a teammate, one of his teammates, Luke Ronke, uh, had to say a little earlier this week. Well, at the time, he was actually, he was quite a quiet guy to start with. Um, I think he's the sort of person that when he gets to know you, actually opens up more. So uh, I had the opportunity to do some fishing and things with him while we were away, so that was always good. And, and as the tour went on, I got to know him a lot more and more. So he was a really good guy, and it was good for me as well. So he was a good guy to be around. Yeah, he was really here. It was good. It was good fun to watch. That was a... a the part of it as well you sort of see him in the field and bat and ball and, and all forms as well I think he made cricket exciting for, for younger guys coming through and and this, his style of play is I'm a big fan of That's Luke Ronke paying tribute to uh, a man that he was uh, very close to Andrew Simons another Australian cricket icon who's tragically passed away before his time just 46 years old he died in a car crash in, in North Queensland on Saturday and um, Harmy you, you would have uh, Enjoyed your tangles with Roy over the years? Yeah, one or two. One or two on the field. Actually, one or two off the field as well in a, in a, in a, a Birmingham <laughs> bar. We had a little bit of an altercation. Um, but it was all good fun, all in, all forgot about. Uh, after the ICC semi-final of the uh, of the Champions Trophy, I think it was, we had a few choice words after a few lagers. And then it was forgot about, not a problem. I think we sat next to each other. Not long later, in a in a, in a church at a, at a christening for for I think it was 
Corey or Rocky Flintoff, um, Fred's lad, um, as though we'd never we'd never had any any problem whatsoever. He was a good man. He was a good man. He was a fine cricketer. Twenty six Test matches. When people see the number, and they'll go twenty six Test matches. You got to remember the team he was trying to get into at that time is the reason why he only played twenty six Test matches. If he had chose England over Australia all them years ago when he was down in Bristol at, at Gloucester, I think that that twenty six would have been a lot higher number. His all-round qualities on the field were unbelievable. One-day cricket was was fantastic. And the 100 he scored in Melbourne when Australia were in a little bit of trouble, Boxing Day Test 2007, um, will always stand in my memory because I think we had them about 155 when when Andy walked, Andrew Simons walked in. After we heard him at the other end, he got 150 and it was a brilliant 100. He just took it to us. We were demoralised. We were, we were down and gone mentally and he came in seen that took it to us and that 100 would always be overshadowed because it was the test match that was Shane Warne's 700th test match wicket and I'll, I'll never forget his celebration when he's jumped on uh, he, he nearly jumped on Matty Hayden's shoulders it's a good job Hayden as the size he was to sort of catch him and catch him in the end bat in the air and that will be the memory that, that I'll remember of, of Andrew Simons it's so sad it's been a horrendous time for Australian cricket over the last yeah, few months and a 46-year-old, it's, it, it's no age whatsoever because he was turned himself into a very, very fine broadcaster as well. He certainly was. A couple of other news items um, on the agenda. Uh, Luke Wright has uh, will be joining the New Zealand coaching staff for the summer for New Zealand's tour here, which is an interesting uh, appointment. And not quite going to finish on a sad note because I, I want to go back to the subject of the Duke's balls, which I promised in the previous section I wanted to ask you about. But thoughts with uh, Graham Thorpe, who remains seriously ill in hospital. Yeah, it's it's sad. I've had a few exchanges with Mark Butcher and I think Graham is seriously, seriously ill. And uh, it's another another sort of heartbreaking story. And what a man Thorpe He's a great, what a player, a hero of mine growing up, played, got the fortune to play alongside him many, many times. Drove him to the airport at the end of his career when he, at Durham, when he left with his, got presented with a hundred, the silver hundred bat for his hundred test match. And that was to be his last test match in the middle in Barbados on the back of one of the best hundreds I've ever seen. Um, and he, he lies seriously on hospital and my thoughts, and I'm sure all our thoughts, is with Amanda at this minute in time, and hopefully Thorpe pulls through. Um, he's a fighter on the field, and hopefully he's going to be a fighter lying in that in that bed at this moment in time. And finally, then the Duke's balls um, that the bowlers have been complaining about. We have had uh, <laughs> more five hundred plus county scores this summer than we had in the whole of last year's uh, county championship. The bowlers are complaining that not only is the seam less pronounced on this uh, this year's Duke's balls, but uh, that they're, they're they're going out of shape and they're having to be to be replaced. I saw a fascinating interview with um, Dilip Jodia, who heads up the company which makes the Duke's balls. And he, he said, yep, hands up. Absolutely. It's a bad batch of balls. But you know what? They're made from cow skin. Not all the cows are the same. And they're hand stitched. Not all our stitches are the same. Some pull the, stri- the, the, the thread tighter than other stitches. It is an organic process using organic materials and they will be different. That's the beauty of the Duke's balls. Not that fast bowlers have been thinking that it's a thing of beauty this summer so far. 
No, it haven't. But like you say, another one you could you say you blame COVID on on everything, but the the working environment might have been different. All these things because, like Kookaburras, you've got to remember Kookaburra is a is a machine made ball. So the majority of them are are very very similar. Where the Dukes, that's always the beauty about the Dukes that no two balls were the same and sometimes behaved differently. Where the colour of the of the leather, whether it was darker ones and lighter ones, the darker ones sw- uh, swung more and things like that. I actually think these balls have actually done us a massive favour because the pitches have been obviously a lot better. And I think the quality of cricket, I think undoubtedly is better when batsmen are scoring runs. And I think what you get then is you get you have to have different bowlers, different types of bowlers. And hopefully, you know, the standard has gone up enough to get players in better form. I don't think we'll ever appease Kevin Peterson, but it'll get in better form to make sure that there's more runs scored. That means there's more fast bowlers getting developed or spin bowlers getting developed at a higher quality that's coming into the game. That can only make the county game better. So even if it is a poor batch of balls, I don't think it's been a bad thing for the first six rounds of county championship games. I ha- absolutely endorse that. Um, you'd rather bowlers worked had to work harder than than usual for their wickets rather than gut them too easily. But thanks, Harmy. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and uh, the one and only Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week as we continue to build up to the first test match between England and New Zealand. This has been The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 